Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Thanks for joining us for another week of Take Two. It is a long Memorial Day weekend, so I'm pleased that both of you do not have a social life. You're in town and ready to hang out. That's right. So. Always here. This is, our, this is the highlight of my weekend right here. Excellent. Well, I think there's a lot of people heading out of town because when I was driving into work this afternoon, I-15 was packed, and I know a lot of people go to our parks. We do a great job advertising them to the whole world, but I think most Utahns like to use our three-day weekends to maybe go see Zion or Arches. And Jim, why aren't you joining them? It's a nightmare. It's a nightmare. We need a whole new campaign that says, don't go to the Mighty Five. (laughs) The Mighty Five are a human carnage. It's a terrible thing. Why? Because it's bumper to bumper to bumper. We have done a good job advertising it. It takes away from the whole experience. It's like climbing Mount Everest. I mean, it's just awful. So here's my solution. Okay. There are national parks in states east of the Mississippi and some south that are terrible. We have 46 state parks I am thinking 23 of them would be a national park in any other state. Yeah, probably. So we need to say, you know what, Zion's um, discourage people from going so there. Forget the and big five and tell people about the Mighty 48. The Mighty 48. These are these are wonders of the world. They're amazing, and the legislature's so damn cheap. They don't like state parks. They don't fund them. They don't care about them. They look at them as a profit. They were so bad. I mean, that's why they're crowded. The state parks. Enjoy it. The state, oh, the state parks. parks. The right. state parks. So you want to make the state parks miserable for everyone too? <laughs> like the last time I went to Zion Park, I wanted to go to Angels Landing with my kids, and it was very crowded. It was like going to Disneyland, uh, except for in the outdoors where you had to wait in lines. And there were people. There's. I don't, have you climbed Angels I Landing have. before? I have. I have not personally done that, but my son was probably too young at the time, and they have those chains to get yep. to the very top yep, part. That's right. And it was literally like a line in both directions, and people were pushing, and I was like, one wrong step, and you're dead. So I would like maybe just some Utah weeks. Could we pull that off in the legislature yeah, where it was only locals only? No? I don't think so. All right. We, we love to share the – we love the tourism. We love the economic activity that comes with yeah. enjoying our national parks and state parks, by the way. I think we do actually – work to see that there's good attendance and people enjoying and taking advantage of our state parks as well. 2008, funding for Utah State Parks. This is out of the general fund. This is state money. $12.5 million. Last year, $4.5 million. And yet the number of people going has doubled. The legislature and the governor just don't care about our state parks. It's because there's so many Mm. people going 
the fees can sustain much of what the parks expenses Because you got to pay are. to get in. Yeah. Uh, do you ever go to our state or national parks? I don't really imagine you like in hiking boots and climbing I, mountains. I've never actually been to a state park. You haven't? But how do you, I how look, are you pushing this? I look, well, I spend time on, uh, you know, the on the, yeah, uh, from <laughs> oh the avenues. I, I, it's my goal to get to a state park once, uh, you know, uh, just so I can speak more. For, of course I've been to state parks. I love them. And I, I, I had an idea. Um, to start in Logan, maybe we should do this, Greg. You yeah. And we could solve Caddy. a lot of things. Okay. We start in one day, and we try to hit every single state park in one day. We get a lost bean tickets if we try to do that. That would be I'm a lot days. Days. Why not? We'll I mean, do what it. would the minimum be? We should the three of us. Why just? Okay, yeah. Would we do that? A podcast? Okay. I'll talk to my boss and see if we can just road trip it to every state yeah. park. Can we use the Channel 2 helicopter? We yes. can do that. We'll I think, have to I buy have, another one. We, we, still have the, we still have the landing pad. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but you don't have the helicopter? <laughs> no helicopter <laughs> we gotta anymore. Get, we got to get more. I know. we got to get the ratings up here. Budgets are tight. Okay. Yeah. So let's talk about this week. The governor held his monthly news conference. I don't think he was dying to answer this question. Don't be rude. Uh, we all support our governor, right? Just like people are going to support their mayor, whoever that might be in the city. We do. Everyone okay. here supports the governor wholeheartedly. Okay, so here's the situation. The governor was asked who he would support in 2020. 2020, I'm sure, for him is a long way off. He's not running again, so I guess he could probably say whatever he wanted, although what he says reflects on the rest of his party. So, Greg, he said he would support President Trump. He didn't really have a reason not to. He supports the policies he's going after, but maybe not some of the circus that surrounds him yeah I, I i don't i think it's a very very easy question i think that much of the circus around him is caused by uh, the trump delusion that has cr been created where you know, if he walked on water they'd say he doesn't know how to swim uh i think under an avalanche of criticisms and investigations you have uh the lowest unemployment rate in 80 years you have historic tax cuts you have in my opinion great judicial uh, nominees and now mem members of this, uh, justices on the Supreme Court as well as other uh, federal appointments. You've got 400,000 manufacturing jobs. Manufacturing jobs went down in the eight years during Obama's administration. We're seeing that growth. Of manufacturing is coming back to the United States. Uh, justice reform, which is a bipartisan issue. O uh, increased funding for opioid uh, addiction and that national... So there's care. all these good things it's going good. on. It's good. I just, I don't understand what the... I mean, in, in the face of that kind of adversity, you're seeing those measurables, not to mention the things that here in the state of Utah, sticking up for the small little, uh, the, the little people in the little town of uh, San Juan County and the people that felt that the National Monument was a, over, a federal overreach. That didn't help the, the president politically, certainly not nationally, but he came and he reduced the scale and size of the National Monument for the people of that rural uh, part of our state. That's a good thing. These are great things. But is he his own worst enemy? Because all these good things are happening, and yet yesterday he holds a news conference and says that he's a very stable genius. Like, why do you have to say stuff like that? It makes you, you wonder, know, are you stable and are no, you a genius? Look, you know, but you could ask the same. If I'm hot, on the way, I don't tell people I'm On hot. the way to the infrastructure uh, you know, discussion with the president, Nancy Pelosi and, and, and Senator Schumer, she stops to get in front of cameras to say, I pray for the president because I think he's stone cold crazy or something to that effect. As she then goes to the White House to then talk about the infrastructure uh, deal that they'd like to make with the administration. I don't think that is a way to conduct yourself or the kind of narrative you want to have. And I think that there's a, a back and forth that goes on there. Look, 
he's his own guy. He's gonna be. He's gonna have that personality and those those personality traits. But frankly, weren't we tired of the plastic people standing up there that that had everything, including the color of their tie, focus grouped before they would say or do anything? I, there is a there is an authenticity to it. It's not something that maybe we would say. But I do think if you look at what's happening for this country, it's economic uh, success and prosperity, tackling difficult issues that probably should have been tackled long ago, like things we've discussed in the past shows, like the trade deal with China. Uh, these are things that we want, we've wanted to see come from the from the Oval Office. And so, I look, I love it. I think the economy's doing well, and I think that when you look at the other side. Democrats are racing to the left. They just want to be socialists. They want to out-socialize each other. Let's talk to and Jim I just about that. I don't, I you don't, don't want to it. do it? I don't see a good candidate out there. Okay, so if I were to pick out of, I think there's almost 24 Democrats right now to run against Oh, wait a minute, it's Trump. my turn? Yeah, okay, it's your okay, turn. Okay, okay. Oh, you got more working to Greg? That's right. <laughs> I, I, I know my mind, my mind so was patient. just I thought I was. I thought yeah, I was yeah. convincing you. You looked like you were deep in you thought. I finally reached Jim. We have all these brand new candidates, but when I'm trying to look at these candidates and see who's on top, I see Bernie Sanders again, and I see the former vice president, Joe Biden, again. Are any of these new blood candidates who do lean probably a lot further left than others going to make it and rise to the top and be the cream? Which one's your favorite? Are you a Pete Buttigieg kind of guy? It doesn't, Beto? It doesn't matter. Any one of them. You'll take any one over Trump. Eternities ahead. I, I just have one question for you, Tons. Okay. Would you want your children to be around this man. I mean, to pretend that this continual lying and braggadocia and calling people out and dividing people against people is somehow good or it's all his personality, bringing flip about it. There have always been people like Trump since the history of history. And they're there, and they get power, and it's all about them, and it's all about their family and their money and ego-driven. What is really dangerous about this moment is you get syncophants like Chris Stewart, who called him our Mussolini, and now Gary Herbert, who's saying, yep, I'm, I'm there. Um, I, I don't see any reason not to vote for him. To see the entire Republican Party, except maybe Mitt Romney, collapse in and watch this become the party of Trump, that is very dangerous for this country's values and where we're Do going. Do you ever see if it were flipped in the opposite direction, how if you had somebody in charge of your own party who was getting things done you wanted, but really was a hot mess on top, would you I keep would him be, or no? Or would I be like, would no? be so over saying I am sick of I am so sick of that person, and I would I, I value my country. I don't. I think Greg does too. But I mean, he, he just sees. I think when he was so quiet when I spoke, I'm trying to follow his example. I've okay. been, I have just been biting I, my tongue. I, I'm listening. not lob. I, I, I am saying <laughs> there are a lot of Republicans in Washington, in particular, who say this man is a disaster. Blah 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 blah. But they don't have the guts to say it publicly. This is the party of Trump, and in November. Of uh, 2020, when you vote, when you vote for your legislative races, when you vote for your county commissioners in Utah and everywhere, you're voting for Trump or you're voting for a Democrat. Because this is a fundamental question in how American and how Utahns have values. Are you part of the party of Trump or do you 
disagree with this man and what he's doing to this country? And I think the answer is going to be a monumental shift toward um, toward having a state with a two-party system. I, I, watch what happens in 2020. I would be trying to make Utah more competitive, but if I were to look back at the last race, I really think a lot of Utahns did not make up their mind to the last second because they don't like Trump. They don't like the things he say, says, but they really wanted his judicial picks for the Supreme Court, and they wanted him to get some of those things done that Republicans wanted, and I think they're willing to close their eyes, plug their nose, I, and take it like a nasty... Pill or so something here's the irony to of get all it done. This okay. Um, and most people will never have this opportunity. But there is, when we talk about Trump being divisive or we talk about the nastiness or even the tweets, the one thing, if, if people had an opportunity to meet the president, and knowing both of you, I know he is one of the most engaging individuals that I have met. When he came off Air Force One when he visited Utah, and I saw him, and he actually for some reason remembered it, he put his arm around myself but my wife, Krista, and had a discussion with us. Well, there was a line of people waiting, and my wife walked away from that experience where it was, um, she was, he was asking her about our, ch our children, and he was more engaged in speaking with her than she has experienced in other political circles over the years. And I hear that theme a lot. It's not unique to my experience. I've heard that if you have actually met the president, you would find he wants to understand what you're thinking. He wants that feedback. And there's a lot of engagement there. The saddest part I see is if Democrats would take the opportunity to engage with him. Hey, it would happened. be surprising if he invited you to dinner, that would he you would go? look at look at uh, Kim Kardashian or someone that wanted him to look at some of these issues of justice reform. And they went in the Oval Office and they engaged with him. And look what we saw by way of progress. Look what happened last there are week. opportunities to do that with this president. He's invited county commissioners and lawmakers to the, the White House complex and the old executive office building by the hundreds. That didn't happen under the Obama administration or the George W. Bush administration. Those are things that I don't think the public uh, knows anything about that I wish they did because I think there's a difference between that and that personal connection and what we hear. Well, you got in the car with them. I, mean, I did, you, yes. You know, so they're up at the Capitol. Yeah. President Trump arrives. He looks over and he says, to Greg, you're the original. I wasn't there. This is the second hand. Okay, good. Like and then he says to the president, and, and, and then the president, I assume it's the president, yeah. or there, somebody says, Speaker Hughes, you want to get in the car with the president? And you say. No, he asked me, he says, you want to come with me? And I looked around and said, am I, is this Canada? To yes, Washington? I would like to come with you in your car. Yeah, I, I'd do that. I'd, I'd come with you in the, in the beast, they call it. Sure. So we did. We went to the basement of the Capitol and headed out to Air Force One. Then he said, do you want to see the plane? And I went, I'd love to. And so got that tour as well. I, I think he is. And I, I think that he's more engaging and he is more willing to work than I think people have uh, given him a chance. We don't to want do. to talk about this too we much. We do want to talk about sure. other things. But if the president invited you, I really don't think he's going to. But if he invited you to the White House, would you go over there and have dinner and break bread with him? And Here's the talk answer. About Somebody has said, if he came to Salt Lake City, would you go to the airport? It's a good question. Okay. And your answer is? The answer is, if I'm a public official... And the President of the United States is arriving in my city or my district. I am going. That is the President of the United States. That. That's a solid answer. And, you know, uh, I think the dignity of the office, the history of the office, that's you have a responsibility. And you don't count the fact that he didn't really get the most votes. You just say, okay, oh my God. that is the president. You do realize that the And you probably don't bring that up at the airport the either, right? The Constitution is not built on a system <laughs> right, like I'm that, right? Saying, You're going to have to change the Constitution no. if you want to change that.
Let's talk okay. about uh, Senator Romney because he's had a couple votes lately where he went against his party. I think he was one of eight to vote against all of this money that was supposed to go to hurricane rebuilding and fire rebuilding. So it's, it makes him sound like a monster that he didn't vote for all of these disaster relief funds. But he said he was standing up saying they're putting all this pork barrel spending on. Do you support Senator Romney in this, or are you like, wait, give us the money and I am we'll take so, the pork with I, it? I am so fiscally conservative, you just can't even imagine it. Okay. I, and Is he? I would, I would squeeze. Greg's making a face. No, when it comes to the state budget uh, on revenue tax, there was one no vote on all these creepy tax deductions and breaks and special deals. I think there's so much freeloading in state government and the federal government. I I would I would probably support Romney because what happens when they get a bill like that yeah. that everybody needs? Then the pork barrel and the lobbyists come rolling in and throw $500 million or a billion here or a billion there or things sometimes that have nothing to do with the bill, but there's a momentum to get that thing passed, and it looks like a Christmas tree. That Is he making a difference stop. doing this kind of thing, or I, does know, it not matter? I, I think it's a result of uh, this is what's good about campaigns. I think that he ran as a fiscal conservative. He, one, of his, one of his key issues, Senator Romney's issues, was the deficit spending, was the way that these budgets were out of control was all of all of those things. And he really articulated that well. This is the, this vote is really uh, symbolizing that campaign uh, position that he took that he was elected to represent. That we have a single subject uh, rule in the legislature. You mm -hmm. cannot Christmas tree bills with everything under the sun under the banner of a title like disaster relief, which is good. Yeah, it is good. And and I think that what. When you hear disaster relief and someone's voting against it, the optics of that are clearly not good. But what I think Senator Romney was, was doing, and I think it's actually true, under that banner, you can put so much in there to try and get more votes, and you know that it's a great topic, disaster yeah. relief, where you're not going to get as much scrutiny. I, I do think that that's a problem. Um, they ought to have much like the uh, legislature has, and that's a single-subject topic where you can't Christmas tree everything under the sun to get something passed. Does he only do this knowing that w his party can pass it without his vote anyway, so he can take this moral stand okay. without costing the vote? I mean, or do you think he would still do it? You if, know, it well, and if it was a swing vote, I do think it takes a little bit more time to weigh yeah. those things. Yeah. I do. I think inherently it does. But I don't know that that's something you even express. I think if you see the herd going the way it is, throwing up a protest vote uh, is, is easier than yeah. it would if you knew it was coming down to your vote. Senator Romney voted against one of Trump's really wacko judicial nominees. The and one that said that Obama was a birther. Yeah, I mean, yeah. this guy is a loopy from loop to de loop land. And <laughs> I, where, I have to guy? say, I've never I don't been. know where that place <laughs> is. The New York Times and, and other people were saying, well, he just did that because the vote didn't matter anyway. He did it for political reasons. Yeah. Give... First of all, that's such clear baloney. I mean, what is the political advantage in Utah to standing up to President Trump? I don't, I, I don't think it's a political advantage. That's a good point. I think that he did that because he looked at that judge and, I, okay, I exaggerate a little. He may not have felt as strongly as I did. But I think Mitt Romney so far, time after time, he kind of shocks me. I think he's calm a lot of the times the way he sees him under tremendous pressure. And we'll see if he if he continues that kind of independence or whether he succumbs. All right, we'll be watching. Are you dying to tell us something before we move on to our well, next Well, I was just going to say, I do think inherently when those votes get close, yeah. there, is, there is a chemistry to that or there is an additional pressure yeah. to that. But I think Jim's point is well said that there isn't any upside, even if you see that it's going a certain way to it's vote true. against it. Yeah. There is an inherent... Um, 
you know, there's uh, there's political cost speaker, that. Yeah, so you're right. Speaker, you're right. did anybody ever say to you, and it's a preposterous question because I know the answer, uh, <laughs> but I want to see how just how honest you are. Uh, did, oh, wow. did anybody, did you ever have a deal with some representative that would say, look, I really need to vote against this, um, but I'll vote for it if I absolutely have to. I, I, I heard pass. that used to happen in the Senate a lot. We, we, we <laughs> all vote our <laughs> conscience. In the House, we, you know, we're the arena. We vote our conscience in the House. The Senate, I hear that's kind of the part of the, the course. Yeah, I, okay, so the lie detector test here in take two is going really, really well. All right, uh, we're going to go to brutal honesty now. Nathan Ivey, a county commissioner in Utah County, came out and said, after um, years of serving um, as a GOP leader, married kids, he is saying that he's gay and he's splitting up with his wife. They're moving their separate ways. He is still going to remain with the GOP and might actually run against Ben McAdams for a fourth district seat. There's a lot to discuss here. Does he have a political life now that he has owned who he is? You know, I'd say a number of years ago that would have been political suicide. I think that the world has changed uh, significantly. I think 2019 does not look like uh, 2009. And, and so I do think that uh, Commissioner Ivey coming out and making uh, this statement and uh, obviously making public something that's been an internal, internal battle for quite some time. Yeah. I don't think he's, it's going to be held against him as, as it might have made people uncomfortable before. Uh, and so, no, I, I don't think it's political suicide. I don't think it ends his prospects. Uh, it is, it is no, noteworthy, though. It is something that's different. And um, I just think it's a symbol of the times that we're in. What I love is that you have someone that's come out as, as being gay that still considers themselves a rock-ribbed conservative and finds a home and a place in the Republican Party. And I think that's, I think we, that's where we should be going. I think that there needs to be an accommodation for uh, people of diverse backgrounds or lifestyles, but come together in common ground on issues like uh, conservative principles and smaller government and, uh, you know, equal opportunity and Is equal this outcome. eating you up inside, Jim, that he is not going to come join Democrats? No. No. I mean, you're happy to see the So diversity. I called Commissioner Ivey. Uh, you remember a couple of years ago there were some homophobes in the Freedom Provo Freedom Festival. Yes, yes. And this group of high school, amazing high school students were going to have a, a float. And the night they before, them, yeah. they were getting their float ready. And the Freedom Festival said, we heard you're queers, you're out. And they were kicked out. I called Ivy, Commissioner Ivy. I didn't know him at all. And I said, look, Commissioner, you guys give him a lot of money. He was livid. And he said, this will not stand. They will not get a dime of county money. I'm the chairman of this commission, and it's not going to happen. And I went, whoa, he's, he's there. He's on the case. And now I know he's also in the closet. Um, so I just wanted to, I, I mean, I think that took some courage then. I think it took a lot of courage. And frankly, I got all emotional when I read not, I mean, what he said, but the response from rank-and-file Republicans and conservatives and people in Utah County and Senator Andrig, who just wrote this marvelous piece, and go down the list of uh, Commissioner um, Basketball, what's his name? The, uh, Tanner Ainge. Yeah. And you go down the list of people who were saying, hey, this is our brother. We don't love him any less. He's going to be a great commissioner. It, I thought, you know, this is over. Yeah. There's still a lot of still a lot of details to work out, but nobody's going to take our marriages away. Nobody's going to go back and do yeah. that. We still have fights to do. So, 
I was proud of Utah County, and I was proud of the commissioner, and I was proud of the Republican Party. The chairman, the new chairman of the Republican yes. Party, I gave him a, a big applause. I mean, in my heart, I would never do that publicly. Um, yes. But <laughs> I'm just saying uh, the world has changed. A welcoming, more happy Utah yeah. here. Perfect. We have so many topics to get to, and I don't even know what we can talk about because we're running out of time. Will we paid extra if we stay longer? Yeah, we'll pay you actually like an extra five ninety nine. It's more of zero. Actually, we get nothing. Zero. It's true. Let's talk a little bit about tax reform because I think it's going to formally get underway this week, where uh, the task force is going to start having its first public meeting. Um, the governor saying that he wants to get this done right, not quickly. This is a big, big overhaul. Is this something people need to become involved in? Do you wait for them to meet? How does this all work out? Who's going to tell me? You want to go first? Or yeah, let me, let me take a stab at it. Um, so what I love about that, we want to get this right. We don't just want to do it quickly. I haven't heard the converse of that. We don't want to get this right. We just want to do it quickly. I That's haven't heard anyone say that. So I don't know why I keep reading. We want to get this right. We don't want to do it quickly. I haven't heard anyone want to get it wrong and no one that just wants to get it done fast. But there are some realities. And again, we have visited this before. The realities in public policy, which which merge with campaigns and elections. Yeah. And what? 2020 is the further out that this process takes and the closer to an election uh, that you come into uh, there is an accountability to the people, which is healthy, but there's also the uh, the temptation to make decisions born from fear, which are I don't believe are ever good decisions. Where the the threats of elections and the, and yeah. the contributions and all that may come with it may interrupt a serious public policy discussion or what you would do, uh, what getting something done right. So I do think that there is a clock you got to pay attention to in terms of how that process is going to roll out. I do know from my sources in the House, which I still have. Uh, that if uh, this has taken any amount of time since the end of the session and the beginning of March till now yeah. is to get that process right, to make sure that these meetings and what they're going to discuss and how they're going to engage the public is done the right way. And so while the first meeting uh, is May 30th, there has been uh, much discussion about how would you roll something like this out where people feel like there's been a good process. People have criticized a special session, but if you put bills inside the general session, there's this idea that there's this a, a lot more robust debate. They compete; those bills compete. No, there's with like five billion a bills. other bills. Yeah. And so, uh, given it that scrutiny and that kind of uh, you know solitary uh, attention or focus, that's I think that's a good process. All right. So the solitary confinement for this bill starts soon. They're working on it. Are you going to be showing up at these meetings? It's a catastrophe. It's rigged. <laughs> oh my gosh! Look, let's get something <laughs> it, straight here it? for all Utahns. There is no tax crisis. There but it's is coming, isn't that the story? No, it's not coming at all. Everything is <laughs> is going unbelievably fabulous. There's more revenue than we have ever could have imagined. The legislature and the governor are making up a crisis for one reason. Okay. There's one billion one hundred million dollars in the education fund. And although we're 50th in spending, they don't want it in the education fund. They want it sucked out. And they want to find a way to get it into the general fund so they can spend it the way they want. So they don't call it a revenue uh, crisis. They call it it's a balancing crisis. And by that, they mean they want to get their hands on that $1.1 billion and spend it for other things. You know what they ought to do? Two things. 
leave the money in the education fund and spend it on education. Wow! Breakthrough moment. Second, they ought to go back and look at the six to seven hundred million dollars a year in giveaways, exemptions, incentives that all their buddies are getting that haven't been looked at as a whole in two generations and they just accumulate up. If we did that, we would have so much money and we wouldn't be nitpicking and saying, we better grab money out of the education fund and we ought to raise taxes on, on wherever they're going to raise taxes. The money is there. The will is not there. And the ability for our legislature and governor, who too often are pay for play, they don't want to touch these sacred cows of all these exemptions for their buddies. That's where the dough is. That's where the courage will come. And you know what? It's never going to happen. The commission is rigged. One of the commissioners is the biggest lobbyist in the state on tax issues. He's sitting there on the commission. Great guy. He's a great guy. He's with Holland and Hart, one of the law firms. Okay, you and gotta he's like, right say his there. name if you're going to throw him under the bus. I can't remember his name. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay, he, so is he? Is this true? So, are Republicans so, playing Robin Hood and I trying to quit. steal money from the rich children's yeah. fund and give it elsewhere? Because we do care about our schools. Yeah, is that happening? I, I got to quit answering the questions first because you know. It did is you true. hear that? I so let me retort. You have great energy. Um, there, I have the truth. It's we easy. know there's structural imbalance when. When that constitutional amendment was passed, of which, Jim, you ran legislation to try and reverse, where we let higher education receive income tax dollars, which were dedicated before 1996, just yeah. for K through 12. We extended that to be K through 16, so it would include our, colleges, our institutions yeah. of uh, higher education, state institutions. We have, since that, that constitutional amendment has occurred, we have been spending less in general fund to fund higher ed and more of the of the income tax. Well, what did you do with the general fund? You used it for the growing budget of health and human services, all the other things that are going on. That pot of general fund money in higher ed is gone, or is going to be gone soon. It's not. There's not much left. There isn't that shift that has been going on, like it or not, it has been going on. So it, it leaves you with this crossroads of it truly is a structural imbalance. You're not going to be able to, to fund the things that have grown at a quick, pretty quick pace. I'm telling you, health and human services, especially with the Medicaid expansion uh, growing, it, we didn't tag the tax increase that came with it on sales tax with the growth of the program. We said, here's $50 million and let's hope that pays for it. Well, soon it will not. And that will siphon more money that will it'll have to come from somewhere. Think about your sales tax. You don't pay it on your dance studios. You don't pay it on your Uber. You don't pay it on your, your landscaping. You don't Drag pay it cleaning, on your health care. Yeah. You don't pay it on uh, any real estate that you may buy or whatever you're going to do. We have, I've looked at a strip mall once and there was a nail salon. There's everything in that, that strip mall. There wasn't anyone collecting sales tax, state sales tax anymore because it was a service oriented center. I'm telling you that our economy's changing. We want to broaden the base uh, and lower the rate, but to say there's not a structural imbalance is to not appreciate how we've been making those budgets balance before, and we do need to make some changes. That's what I think they're trying to do. It's a hard task. I'm going to tell you, uh, it's not one I took on. I'm going to tell you, the, I thought we took on some heavy lifts. It's a big elephant. It is incredibly difficult, and I admire them for taking on an issue that's politically unpopular, but is one that we're going to face one way or the you other. you agree with me, Greg? Can we find Let's some? Let's find something. So this elephant oh, they want okay. to eat. Can you eat it a bite at a time and change the tax base or you're not no, eating this elephant I'm at all? I'm saying we are 50th in spending. 
Leave the damn <laughs> education this is a fund family spent on education. You said damn That's one. I know. I only heard it once. And second, did you know I didn't know Jersey Boys? They swore in that musical. I didn't even know they did. Oh, you must I, think I've been going I, like that. I was recommending that to everyone. Like Sorry, Hamilton. I digress. Just, just go back and have an honest look. We gave seventy million dollars away. To corporations, a few corporations, blah blah blah, exempted them from sales tax. That was on top of the 122 million that they what had. What Jim is talking about is there. That, are, but yeah, I, I'm just saying, yeah. in principle, there are dozens of pages of these tax exemptions, well, and they, you guys won't even look at them. Tax exemptions for newspapers have to end. I, you got me there. I'll, get, I'll we'll get rid of the tax exemptions for our newspapers. But Gone. what we try to do is, if it's an input, if you have a business that's buying things to create a widget at the end of the day, yeah. they don't want to layer in all the different things you would buy to make that widget, the taxes all the way through, because you're embedding taxes in each part that you would buy. We As exempt, you buy the metal or yeah, the plastic. So we, okay. we call them inputs. We exempt the sales tax on the inputs, and then we tax the, the end product. And that's, that's some of the things that Jim is talking about. But the end product is sold out of about. state. I mean, the, uh, look, okay, well, this is getting way this too could, much in the I weeds. Know, it's right? a little long-ish, like, but it's, it's fixed, not a giveaway. It's I just, rigged. We could talk about that, but it's not a giveaway. There is actually method reasons for why you there would want to do there that. There is. And there's a reason that we actually have Memorial Day weekend that we're coming upon. And we do want to thank um, all those families who sacrifice so much for us, who serve in our communities. We have so many that serve full-time. They serve in the National Guard. And we've had some sacrifices in our own community of late. So, Brent, yeah. uh, Brent Taylor, we talked about this. So Brent and I were as strange of bedfellows as two people can be. He's very conservative. He was the mayor of North Ogden. He was a former FBI agent. Um, and he was working on his Ph.D. at the University of Utah. So when I got nominated to be on the UTA board, um, he was on the board. And he said, come on, Jimmy, there's a lot of stuff here that we got to talk about. And so we probably had seven or eight, not clandestine, but, you know, meetings and coffee shops and different places where he got me up to date on his view of the UTA. And we bonded like brothers. I just love the guy. I don't think he was 40 years old, had seven kids was as decent, kind, honorable man as you're ever going to find. He was uh, a major, I think, in the, in the, also in the National Guard. And when he got called up to serve in Afghanistan, it just knocked the wind out of me because I'd met his wife and kids. And it was, I, I mean, I was, you know, I, 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 I worried. And then, of course, he got killed about a year or so ago in it was an example of so many Utah families that make that sacrifice. Like, those kids are going to grow up without a father. And I just can't imagine all the good that comes from the sacrifice of, of a few. And I just wanted to say my personal thank you to, to people who serve, especially in Utah, but really all over the country in Brent and I. I there's just no words that can ever express that that loss. We weren't best friends or anything, but it brought it all home to me. Happy Memorial Day, and I think we all honor you. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. He's Mayor North Ogden. He was a UTA board member, as you say. He has a large family um, and still, uh, when called, served his country. And he could have got out of it, by the yeah, way. Yeah, I know he could, and he didn't. And uh, even in the circumstances in which he was killed, it made national news because uh, it was one of the uh, – 
when he was, he was training. trying to train yeah. and help, yeah. uh, it was it was uh, it, he was killed by a, a, someone he was working with, and that that makes it even harder in terms of the, those circumstances. And he was sending social media posts back from his deployment, and so we kind of uh, that's not usually typical. So many of us were following kind of his uh, time there, and to then find out he was killed in action the way yeah. he was, it was just stunning. But again, I think Jim well said. I I can't add to that, but I can. I can't make it anymore, but what I can say is it does, we should all just take pause this weekend and, and think of uh, how many have sacrificed and will sacrifice so that we can even participate in a show like this. It's so true. And uh, just this week, I think the Pentagon saying that we might be sending an additional five to 10,000 troops to the area of Iran because of the conflict they're going on. So a lot of families here in Utah could be affected. So thank you to all who serve and who will serve in those families. You're back at home. Thank you so much for being with us this week. We'll be back and having polite discussions again next week about tough issues. <laughs> Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Heidi.